Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, and this episode of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast is brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. ES Audio. This podcast is brought to you in partnership with Fuller's London Pride, an outstanding amber ale and the official beer of Premiership Rugby. And don't forget, you can now watch the full extended video podcast of today's show at londonpridebeer.co.uk. Support with pride and please drink responsibly. Lawrence Delalio's Rugby Podcast, supported by Fuller's London Pride, the official beer of Premiership Rugby. Hello, I'm Lawrence Delalio. Welcome to my rugby podcast. There's plenty to talk about after another cracking weekend of Premiership Rugby. And luckily, I've got a stellar lineup of guests joining me this week. First up, I'm delighted to welcome a player who has undoubtedly earned his place in the history books. It's England's men's most capped player of all time so far. Leicester scrum half, Ben Youngs. Ben, thank you for coming on. Great honour for us all to have you on board. How are you, first of all, and how's the body? Thanks, Lowell. It's uh, good to be here, mate. Yeah, I'm good. A bit of a tough game at the weekend. We've got some big games coming up, so we had a bit of a loaded up the bench. Those guys came on and, and brought some good impact. We weren't able to see it out, but I'm doing well. It's just sort of getting to the exciting part. The pitches are drying up. The weather seems to be turning, and it's a good time to be a nine. Excellent. Well, listen, also joining me is, um, I think, the Evening Standard's most capped player of all time. It's, of course, uh, sports <laughs> journalist Will McPherson. Will, how are you doing, mate? I'm very jealous of that wonderful quiff you have on your head. Mind you, I'd be jealous of anyone who's got hair, to be honest. So, <laughs> There's enough in, to go around, Lawrence. You've turned your attention away from cricket now and uh, back on the rugby. English cricket's in meltdown, so I'm watching through my hands. Rugby season, just as Ben says, it's just a lovely time of year to watch rugby with this. The season gets longer every year, but I do love this period, April, May. May, early June, when when there's some great rugby played and we've had some great finishes at the weekend, which is good to see. Well, listen, we'll we'll get on to that in a little while. But uh, last and by no means least, my final guest is former player and manager of Northampton Saints and now co-host of the Saints Show podcast. It's, of course, Lenny Newman. A big welcome to you all. Um, Now, listen, I hope it doesn't get too confusing with today's chat. Ben, your nickname is Lenny, isn't it? It is indeed. Really? Do you want to open up about that? Why Any particular reason why it's Lenny? or Is it appropriate for a podcast? No, it's fine. It's one of those, Lowell. I wish it was like a really good story behind it, but it isn't. I'm coming from Norfolk. I've got 28 first cousins and I'm the second youngest out of the bunch and everyone seemed to have a nickname and Benny Lenny was mine and it stuck and then Lenny and then everyone just calls me Lenny so yeah I could get a bit confused in this podcast because no one refers to me as Ben they just call me Lenny so the real Lenny you're actually not even a Lenny because it's not your real name it's actually Dave isn't it what's uh, it what? is <laughs> yeah yeah, uh, yeah well that's what excuse uh, my... have you got bud <laughs> well, well, see mine is due to Lenny the length now, I'd love to say that that was for anything else, but uh, it's a bit boring. But uh, you are, so I'll tell you very quickly, 
I went on a whole season's cruise on the Norfolk Broads. We went on this riverboat. I was like 15, 16, went on first with a load of lads who were 20, 21, took the biggest room with the biggest bed. And they said, why has the youngster got the best room with the best bed? And I foolishly said, because of my length, because I was 6'3", 6'4", at the time. So they nicknamed me Lenny the Length, and it stuck. Boring but true. I reckon when you repeat that story to the guests in the nightclub, I bet you don't tell that story. <laughs> no. Anyway, we shall move on now. I don't suppose you've ever been called Lenny Will, have you? Um, I can't imagine you have. Certainly not Lenny the length. I'm only five foot seven. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, before we discuss all of the games at the weekend, uh, I wanted, first of all, to get deep down and dirty with Ben Youngs, because Ben, congratulations on becoming England's most capped men's player, taking over from my good mate, Jason Leonard. I know in the build-up to any game, you don't want the focus to be about you but inevitably because of what you were achieving and it is an incredible achievement not only to stay in the England team for that long but to achieve that record presumably Jason would have spoken to you and congratulated you because that's sort of bloke he is and what did the achievement feel like when you finally did it? Yeah firstly Jason did contact me because he's such a gent as did many people and I think that achievement it was very special because on my 100th it was obviously an empty stadium where I got to run out and there was no one there and for me that was a massive milestone and uh, it was a very 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 strange feeling where this time I was able to have all my family in the crowd anyone that supported me were there and I was able to share that moment with them and I felt like that moment running on coming on that game was as much their moment as it was mine because as we all know without the support of certain people you don't get where you want to get to so it was a moment of pride and it was great just to know that okay they weren't there for the hundreds because if it had ended then after the you know it just wouldn't have felt nice you know where I was able to get that moment and it was great and you said you got lots of messages the obvious ones being all your rugby guys and your friends and family was there any messages that you were sort of slightly surprised by? Were there people outside of rugby that had maybe read or heard what you'd done? Yeah, I mean, there was plenty of people that reached out. They were really, really good. Outside of rugby, like Stuart Broad, you know, got in touch and guys like that. Um, Dan Bigger, you know, so guys that were even involved in the Six Nations for another nation were, were messaging you to say, you know, congratulations on the milestone, you know, things like that. And that, that's the beauty of the sport, I guess, you know, that even people that you know, are competing in the Six Nations and to different guys are messaging you. So I, I, it was quite overwhelming, actually. And I think when you get that much of support from everyone, it kind of makes you realise just what an occasion it was, to be honest with you. Yeah, no, it was, listen, it's mega. And I got to 85 caps, nowhere near 100. But I mean, to get to where you are is phenomenal. And I would imagine there's only a, quite a unique group of people that are in, in that 100 club and beyond. Now, listen, you're still 117 not out. Is there a game that sticks out other than your first cap and your 100th maybe? Is there one that sticks out in your mind as being the most memorable? Yeah, definitely got a few, Lawrence. I think the Tour to Australia, which was like my first start. We won in Sydney. That was a special moment in 2010. I think we played France in 2015, the last game of Six Nations. And I think we ended up winning sort of 38-29. We nearly won the title that day. We think we're five points short. That was a memorable game. First cap with my brother. There's a good handful. Beating New Zealand in the semi-final 2019 for me was one of the best moments. That was one of my best moments. I wasn't even playing. It was just phenomenal. Um, and listen, your playing career has spanned quite a few different England coaches. It would have to, earning 117 caps. I don't know how many had you had, like 40 or 45 when Eddie Jones took over. I mean, you obviously laid the law down to him and said, look, I'm going to be here a bit longer than you, Eddie. So uh, <laughs> just so we're clear. Uh, I mean, your relationship with him was, he likes to sort of get stuck into players and take the mickey a little bit. Was he a bit like that with you when he took over? Eddie, when he first came in, he um, made it very, very clear about what his expectation of me. 
you know, I came in for the meeting. I thought, right, and he was, he was really complimentary to start with. And he said, gave me a bag of sweets or chocolates. And he said, right, I need you to stop eating these. I need you lean. I need you less weight. I need you moving faster. And for me, I was like, fine. Because all you want is from a coach is honesty. Now, if he thinks that I needed to get better shape, he wanted me light because he felt the game speed up, then it's your choice then whether you decide to go, right, I'm going to go work at this and, and do it. Or no, I don't agree, but I agree. I was like, fine, that's, let's, do, let's go do it. Yeah, I've always enjoyed my England career under Eddie, certainly. And I, I feel like so I've played probably some of my best rugby under Eddie, definitely. Yeah. I mean, and you, you've you come up against quite a few different opponents over that time. You know, you've got the utmost respect for all of the guys you play against, but who was the guy that you thought to yourself, God, I've really got to be on my game today. Otherwise, I guess it would be Anton Dupont right now, maybe. Yeah, certainly, like you say, Anton Dupont. But when you actually look at my career time, someone like Will Genya, I've had many, many games against him. Just absolute quality operator. I've got so much admiration for how he played the game. Aaron Smith is another one. Obviously, Faf recently, again, he was a little bit arrived in the scene sort of 2018. So there's a lot of competitive guys. Connor Murray is another guy I've known for years. Mike Phillips, you know, when I first started out, he was a really experienced player and I was a young player. And every time, you know, he was a real aggressive nine, abrasive nine. So I've had a, a good fair few of it. I think growing up, my one of my biggest people was when I played against Dimitri Yashvili, actually. So I sort of spent years watching him and he was sort of, for Beeritz, was an absolute talisman, I guess. And I've often got him to finals or big games, you know, with his rugby now some kicking game alone so he was someone that when I first played against him I was almost sort of in a bit of cool blimey I've watched this guy for years you know and if we look at England at the moment I mean you've seen off most challengers for quite a while because otherwise you wouldn't be where you are you've definitely seen off Danny Kerr that's for sure I mean you've obviously got a few different challengers um you know Rafi Harry is it is it sort of in the mix is Alex Mitchell there's one or two others that are pushing I mean do you not focus too much on that just think to yourself look it's all about me at the minute because I know that we all say oh you know we get on really well but ultimately it's a marriage and a relationship of convenience you don't want your opposite number to do that well otherwise he takes your place in the team yeah look it's a really respectful relationship isn't it you get on well and it's very respectful it's an understanding that you know two doesn't go into one but you can complement each other in terms of start and finishing and all those bits but for me I think and I don't know about you Lawrence what your approach was when obviously you were with the back row and stuff but you're very aware of what you can bring and your job is then show that and sort of bring out the best in you as such and you know, from day one, you compete, whether you're the one trying to get the shirt, whether you're the one trying to hold it. You've spent my whole career competing before these guys arrive. And when I'm gone, they'll be competing. So it's just the way it is. And I think as soon as you just understand, right, this is what I'm about. This is what I stand for. And I'm just going to be the best version of that. And whether it's good enough or not, that's for the, the head guy to decide. And I think you kind of, you have that inner confidence of like, this is what I'm about. This is how I'm going to be. And right, it's either going to be good enough or it's not. I wholeheartedly agree with that. Just talk a little bit about England. You've had all the emotions over a long time where you've been playing really, really well as a team. You know, you then had the lows of the World Cup in 2015. You built up again and you got the Grand Slam and the Championship. And then obviously the last couple of seasons have been a bit disappointing. What do you think has to change in the next 18 months for the fans to really believe as much as the team believes that you can go to France and be competitive and win the World Cup? For me, the biggest thing is the consistency of what we do. If you look at just the Six Nations just gone, there's a distinct lack of consistency in some areas of our game. And I think the quicker that we can become a bit more cohesive, a bit more understanding, you know, there is guys like Freddie Stewart, France away, outstanding, winning the aerial game, but he's still only 10 caps in. So we need, you know, he's going to be playing some big games for Leicester. All that experience makes a difference. But 
if we can be more consistent as a team, you know, for Ireland for 70 minutes, you know, it's 15 all. Last 10 minutes, you know, we'll probably run out of steam. But, you know, we're not consistent in terms of what we're doing. And I think that's the biggest thing we need to get in growth as a team. If we get some consistency to areas of our game, become a bit more cohesive in that, then I think ultimately you're always going to be, with the player pool we've got, a very hard team to beat. I just don't think we've been able to do that consistently enough when you compare to what we did produce in the autumn to what we've produced previously in the Six Nations. You know, there's not a consistent theme. Yeah, I mean, I think I would, I'm not going to direct the question at you, but the consistent thing needs to be the selection as well. Um, I think when teams are playing well, there's a consistent selection. And, you know, we only had five players that played every game in the Six Nations, which is a strange one for me. Just switching tack, obviously your club career has taken a, a different turn, really, with Leicester Tigers sort of just transforming themselves under Steve Borthwick. I obviously played against Steve and with Steve, and I've got a pretty good idea of the reasons why things have really turned around. There's been a different approach to recruitment, obviously. There's been a change of personnel, and it's not just Steve. There's, you know, the SNC and Kevin Sinfield, etc. But the teams that I played in that were successful, there was a real clarity of roles. And, um, you know, you were very clear about what you were expected to do on and off the field. I get the sense with Steve that that's probably the biggest change is just being really clear about what your roles are. Absolutely, Lawrence. We just talked briefly about consistency and, you know, Steve's message is very consistent. We're very, very clear about what we're trying to do and, and how we want to play the game and the importance of the squad and everyone singing off the same hymn sheet. I think when he first came in, he really stripped our game back, literally to the foundations of set piece and kicking game. As the season gone on, as we had a pre-season together, you know, we've tried to lay it on, attack and, you know, and all those bits. But, there's a real identity of, right, this is what wins games. This is how we're going to do it. This is the player pool that we have at this club. And this is what's going to suit. So now you, you get your best pack out there. It's a very dominant scrum. It's a very dominant lineup. On the back of that, you've got some exciting backs. You've got some big backs. And then you've got self and George, which would, you know, you back yourself to, to manage the game and get yourselves to the right area. And you feel confident and very clear about what's expected of you. I think he's done a terrific job. And the greatest thing I think that most coaches and, you know, Lawrence, you know, had some brilliant coaches. Obviously, Sean Edwards is probably someone that I've never been coached with, but I would love to have been coached by. Uh, maybe I will do it at some point, but I'm, I'm not sure. But for me, he looks like someone you want to play for. You don't want to let down. There's a sense of a sales pitch, you know, as a coach, you've got to sell to the room. You've got to get everyone engaged about this, is what we're doing and absolute buy-in. And, you know, Kev, Steve has absolutely done that. Yeah, no, I mean, I think you have to remember you're talking to human beings as well. And I think Sean mm. seems just beyond the, the player. You know, he's, he, he wants to understand what's going on in people's, you know, heads, etc. I mean, you've obviously now got Richard, you've got Wiggy there and you've got Van Paulfleet as well. And you're kind of the, you know, you're in the middle there. So you've got a challenger coming up who's just starting his career. And then you've got yeah. a guy that's probably played more club rugby than any other player. He's won everything in the game. I mean, that's a unique challenge, isn't it? You've got his experience and then you've got a young lad snapping at your heels who's desperate to play any minute that you're not on the field. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But one thing I think that rugby is massively built on is emotion. And I think that sometimes when teams get the emotion right, you know, they could not necessarily be the better team, the better drill, but if they get the emotion right, they sometimes win games they shouldn't. And I think the, the greatest thing that we have is that strength and depth and nine is a position we do have. So you're not expected to go to the emotional well every weekend. You know, you'll go two games on, have a weekend, re-energize, get your bits right. It's not that grind as such. And, and guys then can come in and be emotionally charged, ready to go, you know. They're not going six, seven games, eight games in the bounce, getting to like the thing, I think, you know, the emotional energy of them is absolutely draining. I think that's really important for a forward, especially. But from my point of view, I look at it and think, well, that's great. You know, I'm going to throw myself into this, got two, three games, boom, boom, freshen up, right. Emotionally energize myself, ready to go again. 
I mean, I was lucky enough to win a lot of things, but it happened towards the end of my career, the, the World Cup at 31, and then the success of Ross came towards the end. You're 32 now, and it, you know, I'm not going to tempt fate, but you're obviously alive in three different competitions, so you could be winning trophies at the end of this season even. But uh, in terms of the World Cups, that is obviously your target. I mean, you're on 117 caps. The obvious question is, have you still got the enthusiasm, the energy? I guess Borthwick and Kevin coming in has kind of almost re-energised you, really. And have you reset your targets for the next two or three years? Could you see yourself playing club and international rugby for another two or three years at least? Without doubt, Kev and Steve are giving me that enthusiasm, that energy, that sense of like where we're going and I want to be a part of it and I want to help these young guys and I want to bring Leicester success because I care about the club so much. You know, my goal, of course, is to make the next World Cup. Beyond that World Cup, you know, Lawrence, I think that'll probably be internationally. You know, it's hard to see where I'd fit in after that. But I think certainly club-wise, domestically, I've, I've still got definitely more in me post-2023. And listen, you're a player that, very similar to myself, who's played for only one club. I was at Wasp for 20 years. You've made over, what, 250 appearances for Leicester. You've been there since the age of about 16 or 17, coming through the academy. You're certainly not going to leave now because you're just back in the big time and, you know, the club's doing really well. But were you ever tempted to move away? I was at times. You know, certainly I had success early period with Leicester. It was all, all I ever knew was, you know, as a youngster was you know big games and playing in it and and then we just went through that really tough period but I guess the biggest thing for me that always kept me at the club was like I felt this duty that I've got to be here you know I can't just have the good times the club was really in a mess you know we should have got relegated really we're very lucky not to and um you know I just the club had given me everything and I needed to give everything to the club and it's kind of a strange way because there'll be one point there'll be a conversation to say thanks Ben for all you've done but that's done but you know you know that I know that now that, that at some point that will happen well I think the key is, um, is crystal ball games and work out when that's coming and then just be able to nip it in the bud but listen you are there and you're playing great rugby and uh, you know I say this as a man who um, who tried to work out how to beat Leicester many times it is great to see Leicester Tigers back where they belong and I genuinely mean that I think they're a fantastic club you know I was telling Turning up at that stadium for many, many years and, and the fans were obviously a bit down. And, and just to see the buzz and the energy and the excitement of being at the Matoli Welford's Road is fantastic. Lawrence Delalio's Rugby Podcast, supported by Fuller's London Pride, the official beer of Premiership Rugby. Now listen, I've, I've asked you a whole load of questions, but I'm going to throw some listeners' questions in there. Uh, we've had some great questions come through on social media, which I want to put to you. And there's, I think, a London Pride goodie bag for the one that we choose to use in the podcast. So from at the sale rugby guy, he wants to know, where do you see the most potential for England's next long-term scrum half? That's quite tough, isn't it? In other words, who are the main challenges for your position? Well, I think you would probably say the guys who've been playing against you, really, Rafi, Harry, Alex. Yeah, definitely, Lowell, all those three guys. And there'll be someone else because there's always people coming through. But I think you look at those guys and the way that they play and they're all you know, busy nines, exciting nines. And I think that, you know, it'll be those three that will be battling it out for years and very similar to when me and Danny and Wiggy and Lee Dixon were battling it out. You know, it's just the next lot conveyor belt comes through and they have a good crack at it. And I think when you've got that much quality, it's only a good thing. And another question is from at sparrowclough 23 who asks, who is your favourite player? And I guess by that he means, who do you enjoy watching play uh, or who do you enjoy playing alongside? I suppose, well, if I start with watching play and if I looked at my position, like I say, I think Anton Dupont recently has been phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. And the space he creates, the strength he has in around the ruck and his running game, it's, you know, he can change a game. So for me, I very much enjoy watching what he's about. I certainly enjoyed Genya when he first burst on the scene. And then for me to playing with, I enjoy playing with Yasma Visa. For a scrum half, you need quick ball, you need momentum, you need guys that are going to get you on the front foot. 
him and Ellis Genge. That's interesting. So the number eight and the uh, and the props. You see, you're a forward at heart, really. I know that. Yeah, we sit behind them. When we were uh, probably really struggling at the club, we didn't have that dominance up front. And for me, as a nine, the pack gets you momentum. It's a lot easier as a halfback. Well, listen, Ben, um, we'll come back to a few more questions later. I'll give you a course to come up for air because you've, you've been talking, poor thing, non-stop. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, and this episode of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast is brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. So we're going to have a little look, a review of the weekend's results, and we'll get on to your trip to Harlequins in a second. But Will, um, I'm assuming you were covering some of the London games at the weekend. Were you following Saracens Exeter, or was it uh, London Irish away to Newcastle? Across both of those, they were outstanding games, weren't they? I think what I'd say about particularly Quinn's Leicester first, obviously Ben was involved, but that that had the feeling of two of those top four teams really going at it at the end of the season. It felt like a playoff game at times, and Saris then booked their place in the playoffs on Sunday and looked like they were really throffing as well. So I think we've got a really exciting few weeks coming up. That race for fourth has got interesting, particularly interesting this weekend with a couple of the contenders losing and Northampton, of course, getting that outstanding win at the end of the game against Bath as well. Yeah, Lenny, uh, or Lenny Dave, if I can call you that. Uh, <laughs> Lenny, I mean, Northampton, obviously, there's a lot of change there going on. It's uh, another one of those great clubs, really. And obviously, you've got Chris Boyd departing at the end of the season. It's been magnificent for the club and, and you're bringing on some really talented, uh, you know, younger coaches the likes of Vesti and Dorse etc I mean the feeling for me is that Saints have always played a quite an attractive brand of rugby under Chris Boyd but the question marks are just whether they've got the, the sort of strength and power you know to contend for the big trophies against the big boys and they're hanging in there they've played some great rugby this season you must have been delighted with the way that particularly without Dan Bigger and Courtney that they were able to turn things around albeit against a, a, a team that's been struggling most of the season Yeah it's a funny one really Lawrence because you know when people talk about Chris Boyd there was obvious comparisons to Wayne Smith back in the day you know when he was there in the early 2000s and um, some people probably look at it and say has he been a success has he not who knows what will be in the top four but if you look at the brief that he was given when he came to the Saints you say brief you mean brief and budget as well really well brief and budget yeah yeah you're right I mean the the main thing was is that he had got to um, really use the academy to its best that he could and bring the young players through because that was uh, Chris Boyd's DNA back in New Zealand. And I think he's done that. You know, when you see the lights of Tommy Freeman coming through, there's some outstanding young players, you know, Alex Mitchell, who I know was already probably coming through the ranks, you know, as Ben will tell you. But, uh, you know, people like Lewis Ludlam, who had kind of fell out of favour with Jim and, and Dorian, who had done a brilliant job. But like any coaches that have been somewhere a long time, you get a little bit stale. And his other brief, which is probably the most 
important was have a, a really a succession plan for when he wasn't there. And, and that succession plan is, you know, Phil Dowson, Sam Vesti, Ian Vass, Matt Ferguson, and this band of coaches. I think Phil Dowson will bring another edge because I think uh, that Chris Boyd has fulfilled what they wanted him to do. And obviously, uh, you know, going to your next party question about the weekend against Bath, you know, they're bottom of the league, but, you know, they've been stringing some actually good performances. Yeah, they're, they're, they're definitely a team that's improving. I mean, I think, yeah. listen, that, that was a crucial win and, and you're definitely right back in the playoff mix, which is fantastic, along with Gloucester and, and Exeter. Ben, um, from your point of view, obviously it was a blip. It wasn't a surprise because, you know, you, you come off the back of a couple of really tough European games and I think Steve Althwit obviously quite rightly shuffled the pack a little bit because he suddenly, having only talked about the next game, the next game, the next game, he's realised that you're actually, you're in three competitions, aren't you? And you can't keep going to the well with the same players. I know that he's very much keeps everyone's feet firmly on the floor in terms of what he says and uh, interestingly, the players seem to be saying the same thing but at the beginning of the season, you guys were probably thinking well, there's no way it's, it's going to be quite as good as it has been. Are you now all really excited about the next few weeks ahead you've got some massive games coming up and are you guys just focusing on yourselves or, or do you look at the table and, and you know look at the, the likes of Saracens and some of these other teams or, or are you just very much taking it game by game well I think you have to compliment the other teams you know we're fully aware that uh, we are where we are but we're also fully aware that there's some still outstanding teams for us the exciting thing is you know we've got obviously this weekend we play Bristol and then we've got Lenska at home who arguably are the best team in Europe and what a challenge because that for us is a real marker of right let's see where we're at yeah. you know because it's a quick question for you and I'm really interested I mean I've been uh, very complimentary about Leicester this season that quite rightly because the game as you say has been stripped back basic scrum line out defence work rate you know all of those things for me to beat the best the better sides I think when the games are quite close you, you might have to gamble a little bit and play a little bit more rugby and I just wondered there was a point in the game at the weekend where you were off the field actually but when it was a two point game and it was 10 minutes to go and you kicked the ball back to Quinns and I was thinking to myself if you kick the ball back to a team that's a really good side sometimes you don't get the ball back again and I just wonder at some point whether there might have to be that a little bit of a gamble because I think if you kick the ball a lot against Leinster you may not get it back that often that's the thing I mean listen you've only lost four games this season so who am I to question the way you're playing I'm, I'm not saying that but I do think against the good sides there might have to be this ever so slight shift in focus No I definitely agree I think there's the, the element where you have to get the balance right because the last thing you want to do is give teams like Lenz who are very possession based the ball the whole time and every time you get it back lol, you're then giving it back to them to then just D up again because you just you can't D up for that much so there has to be a little bit of a balance and as you come to big games you've got to have tries in you and you've got to have the ability to break games and I think that's where guys like you know Genji and Jasper are so important with a carry game but then you've got Namani, you know Fordy you know Dan Kelly if we can get him fit again you know going to have to score points you're going to have to score tries and don't get me wrong there's a time to grind uh, certainly but where we are now, the pitch is hardening up. We're going to have to get points in us. Well, there was definitely enough in that game. I mean, I thought both sides were superb. And I'm pretty sure that, um, you know, Leicester was thinking, yeah, that's probably not the last time we're going to play Harlequins. And we'll definitely be up for it. Will, we've got to have a little word about Saracens. Owen Farrell has been magnificent since he's come back. I can't compliment him enough. And he was really the catalyst. Will, what's your what's your take? I mean, Saracens still, for me, look like the team that are ominous because they're not in the Champions Cup, they're in the Challenge Cup. And they're going to take some beating when they put all their best players out on the field. Yeah, they've had a couple of years away from this situation, but they know what to do at this end of the season. And that is what makes them ominous. I agree completely about Farrell. He's just been outstanding. He's, he's kind of all court game is back, I suppose. He, he looks so... 
every department he, he's running well passing beautifully that was a great break left yesterday and then he just launched that pass off his left hand which was brilliant I thought and Mark McCall spoke about it after the game and, and it's similar to a thing Ben was saying just now about finding that emotional pitch and I think what rugby fans sometimes underestimate is how much Owen Farrell sets that tone in the teams he plays in and kind of sets that emotional pitch Sarri's are looking in really good nick since he's been back and he'll be desperate to right a few wrongs I think in these next few weeks Outstanding with Fuller's London Pride I'm going to ask you all just to pick out someone who's outstanding from the weekend. And I'm going to go first with a woman's rugby player, Emily Scarrett. I've been speaking to her quite a lot this season. She's obviously broke her leg, come back from injury, and she won her 100th cap um, and joined uh, Benny as a, as a centurion. She's an outstanding person, outstanding player. And so she is my nomination for this week. Lenny, um, you, you can be completely one-eyed and, and go for a Saints player. Actually, there's two, well, three. You mentioned Owen Farrell, I thought was brilliant. Theo McFarland, I thought for Saris, he's a lot but played at eight. I thought he was outstanding yesterday, but uh, I'm going to go for Joanna Augustus. I've got to put that Saints hat on because um, he really did. He, he's growing into really, he's not Jasper Visa type carrying yet. He's, he's getting there, but he picked up a knock, dug deep, carried on, and he, he was a good 80 minutes player. So, uh, good yeah, choice, gonna... they've, always, they've always had a history of good number eights yeah. in that, uh, the Northampton Saints, haven't they? So, he's got a few to look up to. to yep. Rodber, Shelford, Pat Lamb. Oh, um, yeah. Benny, anyone that, you know, you may not have watched any of the other rugby, but uh, anyone that stuck out for you? Firstly, Emily, she was born in Leicester. She's come into the club a number of times. Absolute incredible achievement. So I think certainly I, I agree with you there, Lawrence. And in terms of the Premiership, you know, I did catch the Exeter Saracens game and I thought, not that I'm surprised. I thought Faz was outstanding, but it doesn't surprise me because I know him as a character. And it's brilliant to see him back out there producing things like that because ultimately he's an incredible player. He's missed out a huge chunk of the season. And to come back slotting like that, produce that performance, says all about him as a character. So uh, he, he was outstanding. Will, who stood out for you, my friend? I really enjoyed the back battle uh, between Ben Spencer and Alex Mitchell. Spencer scored two, Mitchell scored one. Spencer scored a beautiful conversion as well in the second half, that low stinger. He, it was like a left-hander's draw in golf. It was beautiful. If you score two tries and your team lose, you can't be remembered, can you really? So uh, I was I mean, going to say Mitchell gets it just because Northampton pinched it. So yeah, I really enjoyed Alex Mitchell. I think he's a good player. So he's my outstanding this week. Brilliant. Well, Will, listen, sticking with you, mate, the Premiership was not the only rugby in town at the weekend. Obviously, round four of the Women's Six Nations was in full swing. Do you want to give us a little bit of a roundup of the action? Obviously, Emily's achievements, phenomenal. I think uh, Italy, they pick up their first win. They beat Scotland on Saturday, which is quite a significant result. Forza Italia, they can win. So, yeah, you're right. It was, it was a good weekend of action. It was the France beat Wales on Friday. Italy beat Scotland on Saturday. And then England beat Ireland on Sunday. You mentioned Emily Scarrett was getting a 100th cap in her hometown. was an amazing story, really. And they also had a record crowd there. Yeah, I was going to say, how many people were there? 15,836. So that was a record for a ticketed women's game. I think I played 20 years for Wasps, and I think only Twickenham we got anywhere near that number, to be honest with you. That's, that's, uh, that's outstanding, isn't it? It really? is. And each, actually, that's been the thing about this Women's Six Nations, that every week there's been another record crowd somewhere. And that, that's just so encouraging to see. This was the last time England will play at home in this championship. They're going to Bayonne to play France with the Grand Slam on the line this weekend. Both teams are four from four. It's kind of 
have been bubbling away, building up this weekend. You know, England have had a better campaign so far. They've scored more points. They scored another 11 tries on, on wow. Sunday. Really comprehensive win, 69-0 in the end. So it should be a bit of a belter this weekend. It's Super Saturday in the Women's Six Nations. Brilliant. Thanks for that. Really appreciate it. Lenny, I want to talk to you about your Saints podcast, The Saints Show. You've been podcasting yep. for quite a while now. I'm sure you'll remind Ben that you played against his dad uh, at some point <laughs> in your career. Um, I'm sure, I'm sure you did, sidestepped yeah. him or you, or you ran over the top of him or, or maybe he embarrassed you a couple of times. I don't know. But uh, I mean, obviously, Ben's promised to stay awake while you talk about Northampton Saints. But uh, who have been your favourite guests? You must have interviewed over the years some of the all-time great Saints. Yeah, well, I think the thing is, first and foremost, what you say about you know Leicester and the Saints, we actually have a good relationship because you both hate each other equally as much. Is that what of course? It is? Well, that's pretty much it. Yeah, the noisy neighbours. But um, you said at the front of this uh, show, Lawrence, that uh, everyone who wants to see a you know resurgent Tigers, you know, and even when they were you know, at their lowest ebb. I think we've all been there. But, uh, you know, I think the fans are pretty much, they're appreciative, you know, Welford Road and Franklin's Gardens. Welford Road's obviously a lot bigger, but I think most players enjoy playing there. I certainly did. They're very rarely won there. But, uh, yeah, I, I locked horns with Nick Young's, Ben's dad, and uh, he's a good player. And listen, who have been your real guests, superstar guests that you've you've had over the? I mean, do you, do you you get to speak to the current players? I'm assuming we do. We speak to the uh, current one or two players um, every week, and then what we do is we do our legends series on the podcast. And we've had uh, Tim Rodber, Matt Dawson. He hasn't changed. Great bloke, but a pain in the arse. You know the story, Lol. Don't you know it's. Um, but uh, uh, Buck Shelford, we've had Paul Grayson, Nick Beale. The list goes on and on. Uh, we've got Ben Cohen coming up. And it does work, you know, really well. It's because a lot of people want to know what the old legends of the club are doing. And, and do you know what? The players quite enjoy it as well because um, it gives them a chance to have a rethink. And, you know, it's all pretty good memories as well. Yeah, well, listen, I mean, Northampton, like like Leicester, like all the clubs, have got some great history, have won the European Cup. You've done lots of great stuff. So, listen, well done on, on doing that and keep up the good work. Over the line or in the bin with Fuller's London Pride, the official beer of Premiership Rugby. Will, I think you're in charge. We only asked one question. Uh, I normally get it wrong every time. I'm not sure where I am on the scoreboard, but uh, everyone gets a go to answer it. But it's uh, it's fairly simple, Will. What have you got for us this week? I'm, I'm thinking it might be Scrum Half related. Not quite similar. It's got a link to the Scrum Half on the show. So just to explain to the two Lennies, I'm going to give you a piece of rugby-related trivia. And all you need to do is decide whether you think it's true and therefore over the line or a load of old nonsense and in the bin. As we mentioned on the show, the previous holder of the most capped men's player for England was Jason Leonard, who had the well-known nickname of Funbus. My piece of trivia for you is the only mode of transport to officially carry his name was not a bus, but a train. Is that over the line or in the bin? Are you talking about the fat controller? Is that, I mean, is that anything to do with the, uh, <laughs> pretty sure that was, oh no, that was, was that Thomas the Tank Engine? I'm, I'm, <laughs> go on, Ben, you go first. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going to go in the bin. Right, well, if Ben's going in the bin... I've got to go the opposite, haven't I? So I'm going to say true. Okay, and I will go in the bin myself as well. It's actually over the line. Over the line. It's true. So between 2004 and 2011, a high-tech, state-of-the-art commuter train, so I guess it was quite fast, <laughs> uh, had the nameplate of Jason Leonard. 
and it ran on the south end to Fenchurch Street line, including passing through Jason's hometown of Barking. That great page, um, I, I assume. So, yeah, well, it was true. Congratulations, Lenny, who said Northampton Saints aren't going to win anything this season. Yeah. That's go. right, hey. yeah. We've won that, yeah. Boom, boom, boom. You're in. You're in. Listen, um, Ben, I wanted to ask you a couple more questions. Your rugby career has still got a long way to go, but have you thought about what might happen post-career? Have you thought about whether you want to maybe coach at all? Any thoughts, or are you just sort of going, do you know what, I'll park that for a little while and, and just focus on the rest of my career for now? No, do you know what, actually, Lowe, it's something that uh, I'm fully aware of that at some point it comes to an end and, and I'll have to uh, transition. I'll be longer in my next job than I will be this profession. And I've actually got uh, testimony coming up. I've got some great committee people. So I've just started relationships with them, speaking to them, getting to know them. I've got some brilliant people on board. So that transition is key. I'm not figured out exactly what I want to do yet, but I'm certainly aware of that transition and I'm trying to begin that process. But um, coaching for me, no, I think it's something that I've seen a lot of play people go into it and uh, people can be terrific at it. But for me, it's just not something that I feel that I'd be able to give everything. You know, I'd rather do my rugby, finish my rugby, be i'd be happy getting into punditry media work give it a couple of years i'll move aside straight away mate you can come straight <laughs> and if you can make more sense than johnny wilkinson and clive woodward on tv then well done to you too uh, I'll be, be very happy. No, listen, it's great. I know that you had some issues around dyslexia when you were younger, as did my lad, actually. Is that something that rugby has helped you in that regard? And it's probably something you'll continue to support in the future, I would imagine. Definitely. And do you know what? A lot of people, uh, a lot of young kids or, or parents will come up to me and, and say, oh, you know, will you sign this my son? And he's, you know, he knows that he's dyslexic or what have you. And so a lot of people can relate to it. And um, yeah, it's just how I am, you know, and rugby was my escape. And I was able to, as a youngster in a classroom, I'd be a little bit shy a bit timid a bit embarrassed because I wouldn't really want to put myself out there but as soon as I got onto a sports pitch I could be me and and I loved it and rugby captivated me and it's probably helped me be who I am now and I think it's really important that, that I share it because you know it's nothing to be afraid of or anything it's just it's more just I think more the young people that are, maybe do worry about it know that there's plenty of people that have got it that it's not a problem yeah well I think that, like all things and you're absolutely spot on about that is you just you feel like you can talk about it mention it there's you know when I was growing up playing rugby certainly there were lots of things that you wouldn't want to raise in the change of yeah. when you want to even speak about and I think nowadays I think we've hopefully moved on from that environment listen it's been absolutely fascinating with, with yourself I really do appreciate it because I know you guys are you know you're, you're right in the middle of it you're alive in lots of competitions I mean I, I won't ask too far ahead but once you get through the Prem Cup what's the weekend hold for you guys we've obviously got Bristol at home and uh, for those that probably tuned in last year we all know how that ended they've just won a game as well so they've yeah been, they've just won they're coming back to Leicester the last game we lost at home was against Bristol in that game so yeah there'll be a bit of an edge to it you know so uh, I'm looking forward to it and I think um, for me you know I get to go against Harry's which is great so that's an exciting game you know you look forward to those games and for us it's a chance you know with a, with Leinster the following week let's have it boys let's get the momentum heading back the right direction again Listen we wish you all the very best with that um, Lenny uh, I'm sure you're look, not looking past Friday night and Quinns that'll be front and centre of your mind and your podcast and the fans and everything at Northampton it's a must win game for the Saints Yeah it is we'll be focusing on that this week and uh, there's no two ways about it lose on Friday night and I think you can say goodbye to fourth place you know some Somebody's really got to mess up. I think it's going to be an intriguing game, but it's a must win for the Saints, yeah. Brilliant. And Will, with your evening standard London bias, I mean, you'll obviously have a little uh, one eye on Harlequins and how they do against the Saints.
Saints. Um, are you heading up there? Not going to that game, but I'll certainly be watching it. As Lenny said, shapes as a massive game, particularly for Northampton, but for Quinns as well, who are nearly there playoffs-wise, but just not quite mathematically sound, I think. And as Ben's just reminded us, that Leicester-Bristol game should have some spice, so I'll be tuning into that too. Good stuff. Well, listen, um, Ben, a particular thank you to you. Uh, apologies for, for making you front and centre, but I couldn't do anything but that. And to Lenny Newman, Dave, uh, and Will McPherson, thank you guys. Really appreciate that. Uh, I'm not here next week as I'm away on a bike on the Lalio Rugby Works Cycle Slam, uh, but the podcast will return with the excellent and far more eloquent Sarah Elgin, who will be keeping my seat warm and looking after you all. So do make sure you join her for a roundup of all the rugby action. So for now, thanks to my guests and thanks for listening. See you soon. Lawrence Delalio's Rugby Podcast, supported by Fuller's London Pride, the official beer of Premiership Rugby. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, and this episode of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast is brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.